Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. Robots Radio presents... You're listening to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast, the best way for everyone from experienced dungeon masters to those curious about D&D to learn more about the worlds, creatures, and lore of Dungeons & Dragons. Welcome to the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. My name is Sergio. And I am Mary. And this week, we're talking about a character from the Forgotten Realms. Yes. A campaign setting. What a, a character, this guy. <laughs> Just because uh, he is a character doesn't mean he has character, to quote oh. the wolf from Pulp Fiction. Uh but this is this is a this is a gentleman who has gone from being just a normal normal dude, a mm-hmm, normal just if, a human guy. If if a bit you know of a, a bit of a cad, a bit of a you know ruffian. Oh, ruffian! That's a solid. That's a solid one. Uh, a solid descriptor. I like it. All the way to being a god. Mm-hmm. To not not only. Like performing deicide, killing a god, and then becoming oh, a god himself. This is oh yeah, this uh, whoo, it's a heavy hitter. And I will go ahead and throw out there that there will be a couple small mentions. It's in passing, nothing in detail, but there is mention of suicide and murder. Like, so that's definitely gonna happen. Yeah, content warnings for that case. Yeah, uh, but it's not it's not anything super heavy. Otherwise, I would have been uncomfortable as well. So, and this is uh, at one point Mary messaged me and it's like, look, this it's gonna have to be two episodes. <laughs> it does. And so this is part one. I will be back with part two uh, oh, here oh, soon oh. after. But yes. Mary, Mary, what do you have for us? I. I have Sirik. I don't have him. I wouldn't want him. Um, <laughs> if I had him, you would. Uh, yeah, well, he, get out. <laughs> I would run him off out of here. You ramp scallion, you ruffian. So Sirik um, could be best summed up in a way with a quote that was said on the night of despair, which is Natal twenty of thirteen sixty eight dr, um, also known as the day of Sirik's reckoning, in the year of the banner. Okay. falls around the time of the year, by the way. Nital is uh, around the end of the year. It's the 12th, 12th month of the year. So kind of Christmas time, basically. Right. Like, you know, we're um, the end of the year. Is right. End of the year where we're mm-hmm. celebrating, where we have like the happy holidays. Happy holidays, like, wintry time. Yeah, exactly. Right. 12th month of the year during the winter time, right around winter solstice, I guess would be the best way to explain it. So there's is a quote. Um direct quote from Sirig. It all depends on me, you see. Nothing is certain until I have beheld it and set it in place. Until I have placed myself above it or below. Before or after. I am the one, the all, the face behind the mask. I 
am the everything. He's a real pleasant guy. So and, and not a I'm so humble. Humble. Humble <laughs> AF. So Sirik is, as Sergio mentioned, the man who turned adventurer, who then became a traitor and a god slayer and ascended, becoming a god before becoming a prisoner. He both rose and kind of fell at the same time. I have never seen somebody climb the ranks and crash this hard. It is beautifully done. It is a hot mess of a disaster. So he has so many names. <laughs> so I, I parsed it down. There will be some sprinkled throughout. But a few of my favorites are the Mad and, God. And, and again, hold on really quickly. Uh, again, this is a very... Not a very good guy. Uh, some might say evil. And again, oh, just probably proving that if you want a dope ass nickname, you got oh you got to be bad. You it's true. Be bad. If you want the good nickname, be a villain. If they you want, if you want a good nicknames. nickname, be bad. Just don't be a villain. You got to be bad. <laughs> um, a few of my favorites were the Mad God. That one I love because I very Alice in Wonderland esque to me, madness and all. Prince of Lies, the Black Sun, and the Prince of Madness. You don't get called that for just being a cool, normal, um, good person. So, Sirik started his life as a mortal man. Um, He's lean build, sharp, angular features that are somewhat bird-like, kind of a pointy guy. His face framed with dark brown hair. (laughs) Kind of a pointy guy. You says. know exactly what I mean when I, I say know. someone's kind of pointy. I, I mean, no, I, I know what you mean. It's just I've never really, like, I mean, I without anyone ever describing someone like that, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> um. So he was a petty, selfish man, um, believing that we are all truly alone in life and that trusting others is foolish because that is only going to lead to suffering and more than likely your death. So I'm going to just, I digress slightly. I'm going to kind of touch base on a lot of stuff. Then we'll deep dive into it because there's a lot of moving pieces. It gets a little crazy. (laughs) Let's go. It gets mad. Um, Not to say he was all bad, though. Um, He was known to occasionally act on the behalf of others, but usually only with what it could do for him in mind. So to his own benefit. He was unwilling to rely on others. And as a man, he was incapable of processing and coping with emotions or intense feelings. Full-blown man-child tantrums. These unfortunate um, shortfalls led him to withdraw from people, um, isolated and trapped within the prison of his own mind. He refused to allow even those that cared for him to help him. So he fought with himself about this, too. Um, He did, you know, want to do what was right at times, but that desire was not nearly strong enough to overpower his ego, his compulsion to feel powerful and above all else, his sense of self-preservation. Because that, that right there is something that he took with him through his entire life and into godhood. So when he was merely an adventurer, he wasn't exactly a great guy. Um, he had a fascination with killing, 
um, easily told half truths, okay. also that's, known wait, as lies. Wait, wait what? He had that's, a fascination with killing. He enjoyed it and found I, it interesting I'm and entertaining. I'm not a murderer. I just have a fascination. I'm fascinated with killing. by killing. I just, I can't help. It. That's what I, I like. It. I like it. Mm-hmm. So he also had these uh, little half truths, which are also known as lies, and had a tendency to inspire fear in others, um, along with his unquenchable bloodlust and the pleasure he took in crushing those weaker than him to feel powerful so all of these great personality traits he's got like it just got worse when he became a god it it didn't help any um he was very egocentric he took joy in manipulating mortals into ruining their lives or ending them this was a game for him they were playthings to him um, for a period of time, he actually also believed himself to be more powerful than all of the other beings within the multiverse. Uh, he's the youngest god in the Faerunian pantheon and absolutely behaves that way. He would get moody when things weren't going his way or weren't progressing fast enough for his absolute impatience. He was irrationally impatient. He liked to think up nasty nicknames for the other deities, often petty or sexist things. And he insisted that the entirety of his divine court would refer to these other gods and goddesses by those names. It's very drama queen-esque. Okay. <laughs> Truthfully, though, for all of the bluster and all of the arrogance, he was scared. He was afraid. The power that other gods and even some of the demigods had scared him it drove him to this point of being intensely paranoid like completely so as he descended into madness the lord of three crowns behavior became more and more erratic he became more unpredictable um his mind was filled with Many, many voices. Um, some people claimed these are the voices of the gods that he had killed. Um, but he was he was lost to delusion and insanity. Siric uh, fantasized about the horrors that could be used to exact revenge on those that had wronged him. Um, he would think on these things, dwell on them, and then peppered in half-truths and you know false memories until he believed all of these things to be reality like uh, those were his wins i mean okay up until this point at this point this is where I, I i identify with the villain who amongst us hasn't had a bit of you know fantasizing about how to exact re re revenge on those who have wronged us you know? i mean i mean it's supposed i show I don't... of hands oh no one no one has their hand raised Nobody else here has thought about torturing. Um... Look, oh, I'm just no, saying, no, I'm just, just saying him. that guy who cut me off in traffic today. <laughs> no, I just hope I'm like, well, I hope you have the day that you deserve. Right, exactly. That's just the easiest way to do it. Um, I did think that you were going to say who, who among us hasn't had delusion and insanity. And I was going to go, oh, okay. Okay, fair enough. Also fair. Back to you um so he believed these 
fantasies and situations that he had made up in his own mind like true narcissist like say the lie enough times and they start believing it he did the exact same thing to himself um his psyche was so damaged um when he lost his mind um that he he couldn't um he could barely contain all of the variations of himself the myriad of selves that he had um each one of these parts of him fighting for control and he was said to speak in a voice that was a multitude of tones all at once which would be terrifying i don't know why but that throws me every time the multi-tone thing i'm like oh, i don't i don't want a part of this craziness you take all seven of them voices and go sir um during this time um he became so divorced from reality that he actually came to believe that there wasn't a polytheistic pantheon he believed that he was the only true god in the realms and demanded that all of his worshipers appease this madness and worship him in that way as though no other gods existed i mean that that has precedence that's all i'm gonna say (laughs) That sort of <laughs> where, that where are you going of, with this? That sort of demand da, amongst a god does have I precedence. It. I get it. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> That's it. Hands gonna, up and I'm everything. Leave, I'm just going to leave that there. I'm just going to walk away. I drop this one thing and walk. So, Sirik the Fateless at one point was one of the most powerful gods in Faerun because he had taken on at least partial portfolios, which we discussed in the last episode i believe portfolios are what the gods are in charge of what their domain is right that's their portfolio oh yeah see i'm good at murder and death and um, betrayal all of those kinds of things i think you uh, on your portfolio were you a god mary or a goddess uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, puns absolutely oh the yeah i certainly hope that i would be the goddess of puns if nothing else uh mine would i would be the god of um telling a story that takes 10 minutes to tell but really could have been told in like one minute and it includes a bunch of unnecessary information <laughs> say, how many side quests are in your story search yeah. god of side quest stories i like yeah. it there we go side quest i am a side quest storyteller you really are love it because i can bounce just as quick it's fine i can keep up so he drew a lot of the power that he had from the infighting that is a constant among his followers and his various different cells and sects so his one of the interesting things that i had found was that his avatar was completely immune to emotion altering magic so things like charm illusion or spells that are known to cause fear didn't affect his avatar and he was also always ignored by the undead in avatar form they just didn't see him but (laughs) his avatar could also inflict madness on anybody by simply touching them which of course sent my mind spinning and i'm just picturing someone walking through a crowd of people in like a city square bumping shoulders just barely touching and causing madness every so many people that you touch, making them completely lose their minds. The chaos that could be caused by that. I mean, like, yeah, just envisioning sort of, like you said, them walking through a town square. And then as mm-hmm. they're like walking through, you just 
begin to see like the violence and and the chaos like you know that that proceeds various in... ways of because not everybody's going to lose their mind the same way and behave the same right but it would be crazy um so when he he could choose any form um for his avatar as they can um he usually chose one that was closer to what his mortal self resembled um other times he would choose a skeletal visage or that of a giant horrific spider as pleasant as can be um while appearing to mortals as a manifestation though he would show up as a wraith or as a poison cloud of smoke haunting their dreams and when he couldn't even be bothered to appear himself he would just create some nightmares of the um, undead inside their minds for them like can't even be there here's some nightmares thanks within his divine realm his throne room was a shrine of sorts to his victories um this is where he kept his trophies these are things that he held on to because they dishonored other gods or degraded their followers among these was an executioner's axe that had belonged to a mad king that had worshipped the god Tyr. He had a nail that a man had used to blind himself after seeing a vision of the goddess of beauty and a painting of a Daenerian faithful. Um, Daenerian is the is a lesser god of art. Um, it's a painting of you know, the faith, they're faithful, um, painted entirely from the blood of children. Um, another uh, trophy of sorts or a thing that he had with him is a chalice that he sips from. Um, it is a, it is shaped like a cloven heart and encrusted with rubies. It is said to be filled with the tears of jilted lovers, crestfallen idealists, and it is <laughs> also rumored to have at the tears of at least two lovelorn gods i love that the tears of jilted lovers mm-hmm. that um that those are emo lyrics if i've ever heard <laughs> them uh the chalice i sip chalice from... was filled with tears from jilted lovers that's it that's i was gonna i was gonna go there but you it seems like you already had it in mind or <laughs> Or inspiration just hit you gonna, like a bolt of lightning. I'm just going to go ahead and throw it out there and admit I do still listen to some emo oh, music. Like that's that's got to be. I'm 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 pulling that clip, and that is forever <laughs> going to be associated with the D and D lore cast. <laughs> beautiful, it is beautiful. Um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> anyhow, so now that I've ruined my reputation permanently or fixed it i'm not or, sure or, yeah or like that was like oh my gosh that's yeah. it that's the voice <laughs> um so after his ascension to godhood Sirik took over the divine realm that formerly belonged formerly belonged to the god miracle um that's the god of death a place in the gray waste that was called hades in the great world version of the cosmology from there, he moved to Pandemonium, which is the plane of pure chaos, perfectly named. Very apt, um, yeah. Right? Uh, whenever he lost a minion over the dead to Kelimvor, whenever Kelimvor became the god of the dead, he moved there. Um, and he made himself a realm there called the Castle, uh, Castle Supreme, a throne known to others as the Shattered Castle. Uh, it's a dark, twisted, 
warped place, as you can imagine or assume. Um, he had created it by taking the Supreme Throne. It's Supreme Throne, not the other way around. And I am singing Tenacious D in my head now. Fantastic. <laughs> um, apologies. The Supreme Throne. He had pulled it from Limbo and moved it there. Um, it survived the change in location, and the cosmos said, you know what, this is okay, and accepted it into the world axis cosmology. It was not, nope, we're not letting that energy happen. Um, so the, he spent, Sirik spent like a lot of his time, a lot of his time, plotting against his enemies and only just barely carrying out his duties as a god. Like, he neglected his his job at like to the point that it actually threw off the balance with a capital B um, of divine powers and caused discord among members of the Pantheon. So he was arrogant, felt that it is his, he's better than everybody. Right. Another quote from him is, didn't oh, you I can't hear... wait to hear this. I can't wait to hear this one. Let's go. <laughs> didn't you hear AO? There was no crime. Lyra died because I willed it. Any of you could be next. That's my place in the balance. To weed out the weak from this pathetic pantheon. Pathetic pantheon is a pretty awesome band name. That's going to be our emo band name. That's the name of the band that wrote that song about Sirik. That's going to have some absurd title that makes no sense to the content of it. Cause that's okay. how you got to do it. So, so, so far <laughs> we have the song itself. We have the band name. Let's see if Sirik and all of his wisdom can provide us with a song title. Oh, it'll happen. We'll that's... find it. We got two episodes, two episodes, bud. Let's go. So, he becomes a god. It's his job because he's the best that's ever been, as you can tell. Um, so we're going to touch on some of the uh, churches and like some of his notable temples across the realms and, you know, some of his how worship kind of works. Uh, some of the notable temples to him are the Twin Towers of the Eternal Eclipse, which is the center of Syracist worship in Om. Is it Om or Am? Uh, um, okay, just curious what your take was. Um, the house of Siric, which is beneath Skullport, far beneath the city of Waterdeep. Um, house of Siric needs to be listed on this album somewhere, and I'm not sure why or where. The okay. record label, perhaps, probably, yeah, yeah. Um, Darkhold is another one, um, and it is a fortress that is located in the western heartlands. During the early years of his divinity, Darkhold was actually, and its surrounding areas, like surrounding lands um, of the Moon Sea, were the center of his worship. It just changed as some things happened. We'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to it. We've got time. Um, the Zentarim, a.k.a. the Black Network, served Sirik uh, during that time period as well. And even after his decline in popularity... Um, he, he continued to endure in the lands of intrigue and, um, um, his ideologies and theirs really, it fit well together. Um, 
the mutual lack of reliance on others, a, a culture of shady deals and their ambitions made this a very, very easy match. So Syracism, as it were. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, his churches weren't very well received um, across Toral. They were hated. Oh, huh. in fact, shock. I know. I know. You're just absolutely blown away by that. Um, these churches were seen as a place where all you would find there is death, trickery, and madness, um, which, uh, you know, makes sense because of all the backstabbing and the feuds that were occurring within his churches. Maybe part of the reason people hated them was because the Syracists, um vowed to orchestrate murder everywhere <laughs> all over the place that's a guarantee like, that is i guarantee you we're gonna Syric kill some folks guarantee. Mm -hmm. murders everywhere in order to make people believe in the power of the mad god and incite fear on his behalf they vowed to spread strife across all of the lands um that you know like i don't think i'd want to live next door to him either just saying yeah. like nimby at least like y'all yeah. y'all can do y'all can go ahead and have your murder church uh but not 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 in my backyard murder church is the heavy metal cover oh it's a man. heavy metal band go. that's that's the second <laughs> band on the label the house of Syric. oh yeah definitely definitely um <laughs> his clergy however did not agree with that assessment of their religion. They said, you know, no, we believe. Um, they believed they were a religion of enlightenment, um, that they were revealing the truth of how connections made with others, like with family and friends and, you know, employers and confidants, like all of these things are useless things that in time are going to fade. And it is pathetic to hold on to those or to invest in those because for what? It's not going to stick around. It's not going to do anything for you. Um, his clergy prayed uh, to him at night after the rise of the moon in order to gain their spells. And many of them were trained as rogues and assassins, which is probably not shocking. Nope. He had a group of specialty priests that were called the strife leaders um which again if you want a good nickname or a good title apparently you gotta be a bad guy um, they celebrated very few holy days um and they did not celebrate the date of his ascension though because it coincided with someone else's ascension and he just couldn't allow that to be celebrated oh no yeah i mean like stealing the thunder it's not all about me right. and this other other being gets to uh ascend with me no thank you they had at these um at these celebrations <laughs> they would have intense prayer and feasts with blood sacrifices in order to celebrate eclipses um and when the temple happened upon an important relic or somebody they felt was was worthy of being sacrificed it was declared a oh goodness i'm gonna take my accent back now 
I'm so sorry. <laughs> I was going to say, it, it, I do declare. It was coming out for a it second. It was heavy. I apologize. Um, it was declared a day for the dark sun, and that's S-U-N, not S-O-N, mm-hmm. signifying that this is a holy event. When he ascended, um, he already had some worshipers because he had acquired some of the Laren faith when he killed the Lady of Deception. And he had followers among Githyanki. There were some Tetherian cultists of Ao, or Ao, sorry, who weren't aware of the identity of who they were truly worshiping. So they believed themselves to be worshiping Ao. Yep. But it was Siric tricking them into believing he was him. <laughs> yep. I, some Typical Siric. Typical, typical Siric, right. Some of the more malicious tieflings, along with some of the folks of um, Anarik, uh, the great uh, Sandsea, were also some worshippers of his. Um, in addition to clergy and worshippers, all that, he had um, a group of denizens, sometimes called Shades, that are souls that reside in the city of strife and the bone castle um he held also held dominion over the faithless and the false um so the faithless are those that died without having chose uh without having chosen a divine patron they their souls compose the wall of wailing that surrounds the city of judgment on the fugue plain um and the false are those that lied about which deity they serve or worship so to Siric, though all of these things exist to serve him and it is their duty to cater to him Um, he even chose to change their immortal forms into ones that suited him and the whole like the whole vibe the whole aesthetic he was going for Um, he would have they would have eternally become these monstrous and grotesque beings um in exchange for their perpetual service though he he was kind enough to promise protection from his schemes but he only kept that promise when it was convenient for him of course obviously i mean you know you know how it goes some noted worshipers of his um are malchior a syracist who dwelled who was dwelling within the dark hold um he was at one point a member of the interim in Waterdeep and was known to be quite cunning. Um, Elisand is a chosen of Cyrix that had an influential place in the Moon Sea during the time when the demon lords were entering the Underdark. Malik El Sami, or Malik, is I'm not going through that whole name for the rest of the show. He's just going to be Malik, by the way, um, was another chosen, and he was often favored to carry out Cyrix's will. Um, at one point, as a boon, uh, Siric literally ripped Malik's heart from his chest and replaced it with his own heart, which is also pretty emo. I'll tear your heart out of your chest and give you mine instead. Uh, it's not is... a phase, Mom. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. I, I I feel like that's that's close. That's close to a song title. It's close. We're getting there. Yeah, we're, we're getting, getting there. there. As a mortal, though, he didn't have any friends really mostly just i i know you're shocked again there's yeah I mean, like every, yeah i'm not you're not a good guy you're kind of a pos syric all yep. right you're kind mm-hmm. of a douchebag mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's true um so he had he did have a few acquaintances though um including a man named merrick 
who was a ruthless man that had mentored him. And he also had an acquaintance uh, thief by the name of Quicksell, who he kept as an acquaintance while he was operating within a thieves guild in Zintilki. He did, however, end up forming a sense of friendship and trust with a fellow adventurer. Uh, someone, a woman by the name of Midnight, who we have mentioned before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, they quickly bonded after she tended to him when he was wounded. He had genuine gratitude and appreciation for her, but it was short-lived as he was very jealous of another adventuring companion of theirs, Kalimvor. Midnight, who we all know now to be the future Mistra, rejected Sirik's romantic interests as she and Kelimvor were developing a romance of their own. Um, This spurred his jealousy. It festered, growing into impatience, irritation, and hatred, which lasted into their godhood and beyond. I mean, some some grudges can't, you know... Some grudges can't be killed with ascension. Um, True to form... Among, you know, his friends and stuff among the divine, among the other deities in the pantheon, true to form, he he looked down his nose at other deities and even hated most of them. Um, He had an especially intense hatred for Mistra, Kelimvor, and Thane. In his hatred and bitterness, uh, bitterness, Sirik lashed out at everything and everyone that Mistra held dear. Um, His rage and jealousy fueled his search as he scoured the multiverse seeking Kelimvor's mortal soul um, his abhorrence only grew whenever Kelimvor ascended to godhood and took over part of the black sun's domain his most hated enemy takes over part of his domain as time passed it's gotta, um, it's gotta sting it yeah Oh, it, oh, yeah. (laughs) It's some good stuff. Um, It's real thick and heavy. You guys are going to love it. So as time passes, he becomes more and more paranoid, uh, believes that he's the greatest power. He's beginning to believe that the greater powers within the realm want to strip him of his divinity. He truly believed that everybody was out to get him. He even managed at one point to get himself in the position to be on the receiving end of wrath from the god Agma, the uh, god of knowledge, by manipulating his dominion over the spread of knowledge. Um, it was done with the intention of converting all of the realms over to the Syracist faith, thereby eliminating all the other gods. His paranoia and fear led him to make no more gods. No more gods. Yeah. They just, only him. He was the only one, the everything, the almighty. So many nicknames. <laughs> <laughs> um, his, this paranoia and fear, um, he basically made enemies everywhere he went, um, including Denier, Azuth, Bane, Tyr, Torm, and countless others. Um, those that he didn't make enemies of were not exactly friends either and were more acquaintances of temporary allies. So while he was still serving as the god of death, he was served by Jergol, who is the previous deity that held that title. So it was the last, like the OG god of death seated his position. He was known as the lord of the end of everything, which is also a badass title. 
the lord um, of the end of everything yes <laughs> nothing like somehow like very poetic in its frankness it is it's a very this is what it is cut and dry and beautifully said but so simple right. maybe it's beautiful because of the simplicity this no, is a position that Cyric would gain. Yeah, later. <laughs> um, Jurgle tried to help guide Cyric in his dealings with other gods, um, including the Circle of Twelve, and in the way that he ruled his domain. But his advice fell on deaf ears, and he was ex- definitely unsuccessful in this venture. Cyric maintained a relationship with the god Mask, but only so long as it was beneficial to him. And he did this because he believed that Mask was weaker than him and that he was cowardly and he could easily manipulate and control him. Um, this relationship did change rather quickly from allies to enemies, though, when Mask reveals um, some extreme deceit <laughs> to Cyric, which is a story that I will tell later. I believe it'll be in part two of this situation. It was after that, that uh, Cyric formed an alliance and a relationship with the goddess Shar, but that did not benefit him the way that he thought it would. Um, She exploited his alliance and used him as a weapon and as a tool to kill Mistra and then to take the fall for it. But I am going to say it's probably for the best um, that they didn't team up and become buddies because that would have been horrid <laughs> it could have been so much worse for sure yeah absolutely for sure because yeah. she's not exact she's the original emo but he's the emo who did it after her so it's cooler i mean this would um, be if um like bright eyes and dashboard confessional started like a super band <laughs> i understood that reference does that help um, um he... I, I once saw a tweet that was like if taylor swift and adele ever dated each other and broke up like the like the up the ensuing songs would destroy the world it would yeah no we can't have that they're not allowed to work together they'll break no it's like the world will just like the world just load on itself that's it siren song it's gonna take us all out um and Cyric did after this point try to exact revenge on the mistress of pain of of Shar. but he really was not at that point capable of doing her any actual harm and wasn't able to touch her following so far Cyric sounds uh, we are essentially 25 percent through the Cyric lore and so far he sounds like a like a peach he he's sounds... just a real peach oh look at that one there see he... there it is told you it was going to show up there it is uh well we're going to take a quick break to go to the middle of the show so we can do mm-hmm. our middle of the show type things and mm-hmm. then we'll be back with the second half of part one of the Cyric lore the mad god the, the mad emo god <laughs> Oh, gosh, yeah. Welcome to the middle of the show where we we do a few things. We thank the patrons. We look mm-hmm, at some mm-hmm, D&D mm-hmm. news as well as take a look at the DMs Guild to see what kind of uh, fun, fun shenanigans we can get into. Uh, first and foremost, let's thank the patrons. Thank uh, you. Uh, a special shout out to our newest patron, Brian C. Thank you so much for uh, for signing up. Uh, you thank get you. 
you get all the bonus content. You get a uh, sticker pack. You get ad-free early episodes. Uh, so thank you again so much for for uh, supporting us on Patreon. You know the the Patreon support is allows us to be able to commission artists to create yes. uh, designs for merchandise. Uh, mm-hmm. Be able to get the magic item of the week title pending uh, PDF started up and completed mm-hmm. by the end of the year, which we're very excited about. And uh, like I said, like all that all that stuff, uh, all that support on Patreon allows us to do stuff like that. And allows us to make the show as 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 big as our as our two ferrets in a bag for brains oh, uh, can can imagine this show to be. They get into some shenanigans. Um, second, uh, secondly, how can how can uh, how can folks support the show, Mary, in other ways? Oh gosh, um, go on to whatever wherever you're listening from, and do a five star review. Leave us a review there. Tell people that we're awesome. Tell your friends that we're awesome. Send them links to you know shows, things like that. Um, you can contact us on Twitter at DND Lorecast. On there, we are on the Insta Grams. Um, and also the Tick Talks as well. Um, you can also find us on the Robots Radio Discord. We have a channel there that is always popping. Um, or, you know, old-fashioned email at D&D Lore, or the D&D Lorecast. Excuse me. D&D Lorecast at gmail.com. I got it out. Yeah, any sort of like social media type mm-hmm. presence you can find us DND Lorecast. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like I, I especially recommend the uh, the Discord because you can come in. We like over the past week we've had folks come in and and ask for advice on um, like oh, homebrew yeah. items, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. on uh, you know like their um, their artwork, and like, we love Character to see like builds and oh, yeah. just everything, everything D and D related. And so we're we're huge fans of mm-hmm. of the of the homebrew and of the community, which yes. leads us into the like the news portion of the middle of the show, which is uh, the cluster F, which is known as um, the oh, yes, a great fluster uh, OGL 2.0 uh, mm-hmm. continues um, with um, radio silence from Wizards of the Coast. In fact, they were supposed to make an announcement um, uh, Thursday afternoon. And that was canceled pretty much at the last minute. Um, yes. There, um, amongst the um, the uh, in on TTRPG Twitter, there is a uh, a pretty staunch um, sort of like pushback on uh, very on, united front guys. Yeah, on community what is united, and is, it's beautiful. What they're trying to do, um, you know, folks are crashing the D and D Beyond website canceling yes. their subscriptions mm-hmm. uh you know and this is um you know and again like we said last week you know uh both mary and myself and and as a result the show uh yes. stand with third-party publishers we stand Absolutely. with the with the community uh mm-hmm. and we stand with uh open D. Mm-hmm. we that's exactly what we want um we love i mean we literally have an entire we get together once sometimes twice a week just to talk about D for at least an hour guys i have almost 50 pages of handwritten notes on topics and just so, per episode or two episodes like it's it's what we love and 
I don't want to see any of our community hurt or have anything taken from them or from us either. And so, uh, yeah, like I said, like I, if I didn't love D and D this much, I, I wouldn't care. I'd say yeah. like, okay, cool. Like you're doing, you're doing this thing. Some people right, are upset, but thing. whatever it doesn't affect me. Uh, mm-hmm. it does affect me because I, I love, I love the game that much more. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, so yeah, so that, that's still continuing on. That's still going oh, yeah. on. Um, and, and I guess, uh, and I don't know how that's going to shake out, but, um, I guess I'm in cautiously more, optimistic and more exciting news. Um, uh, it has been reported that Paramount Plus, the uh, the streaming service, will be the home of a live action Dungeons and Dragons TV series. Mm-hmm. It's the uh, pilot season, isn't it? Yeah, it's going to be. It's uh, direct like to episodes? yeah, direct to series. I, yeah, eight episodes. It's not mm-hmm. going to be connected mm-hmm. to the um, movie to the movie as far as like it's not going to be like okay. a, a spinoff. But I mean, hopefully okay. they'll. There's figure... adventures happening all over the realm right now that aren't interne- interconnected with one another. It's fine. It's a different timeline. Well, no, for sure. I I do hope that you know that it it, it at least exists in the in the same, same universe. Oh, you know? yeah, that would be lovely. I mean, doesn't necessarily have to uh, include the same characters, right? Uh, or even the same storylines, but you know, just you know the fact that it also like you said, this is a, a parallel adventure going mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. I think would be probably more, uh, you know, with everything with, you know, all these cinematic universes yeah. being, you know, like with the MCU and, and with DC mm-hmm, trying mm-hmm. to do the same thing, uh, being sort of like, you know, the, the soup du jour, uh, mm-hmm. make more sense that if it wasn't the spinoff, I'd at least, you know, share a universe. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, so again, let's, uh, that's exciting because as a, as a kid, as a young adult, I've always wanted, uh, a D and D show. So uh, you know, hopefully we get one and hopefully it's great. And hopefully, uh, Hasbro hasn't either... ruined all hasn't... goodwill by then. Oh God. Yeah. I would love to see it be either like superbly done or so cheesy that it's amazing. I'm okay with either of those results. <laughs> but, uh, and then, so finally the last portion of the middle of the show we always talk about something on the uh, on the DMs Guild, some fun homebrew. And yeah. so about a month ago or so when Shadow of the Dragon Queen came out, when Dragonlance initially made its debut in 5th edition, you know, we talked about um, some of the Dragonlance lore. We talked about the, uh, um, the War of the Lance, the, that, that trilogy of books that sort of kickstarted the entire campaign setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the things we talked about was the test of high sorcery, which is a, um, to become a mage of, of high sorcery, you have to pass a test. Uh, and that test usually is, is, it's always custom. Like it's, you know, custom for the, for the taker. So it's not just like, mm-hmm. okay, it's like, it's like, it's like the SAT. It's the same for everyone. You know, it's, it's made to really, you know, determine if a particular person or, uh, you know, or may, you know, mage hopeful is suited to wear the, the title of a mage of high sorcery. Okay. Uh, and so, uh, and that's sort of left, uh, you know, as far as, um, you know, uh, the, you know, what that entails is left a little vague in, in shadow of the dragon queen. However, uh, Donathan Fry and Kiana Shaw, 
have put together a fourth level adventure that you can either play alone or with friends that interesting that will put you through that test so oh, that would be fun. The Test of High Sorcery is a perfect adventure for new and veteran players looking to experience D&D in a new way. It is a solo adventure where your choices have meaningful consequences, but it also provides balanced rules to play with a group or a dungeon master. So it's 154 pages. It includes a hmm. sprawling adventure that fits perfectly as an expansion to play in uh, to any Dragonlance campaign, whether it be Shadow of the Dragon Queen or anything else. Uh, a tale full of sorcerous intrigue featuring many new characters alongside iconic favorites like Fistandalus, uh, Dekesis, Fisbin, uh, the gods Ooh. of magic. Uh, mm-hmm, over mm-hmm. 60 possible outcomes to determine which order of high sorcery you join and provide compelling new plot hooks for your character during future adventures. Uh, you've got four gorgeous sample characters with interactive characters. She's designed to be uh, to new to be new player friendly, so they can jump right into the story. Uh, and of course, like you know, it has a detailed primer on the history of Kryn and how it relates to the mages of high sorcery. Okay, and you know, like it's sounds it sounds dope. It looks awesome. Like I I just now discovered it today, and like I can't wait to dig into it. It looks beautiful. Like the art looks great. The layout looks fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. And it says it's a uh, this adventure is a huge project of the of the heart by veteran D and D writers and longtime Dragonlance fans Jonathan Fry and Kiana Shaw, and uh, you know they have a, uh, a another solo adventure called To Hell and Back, which has um, sold it's a it's a platinum seller on the DM's Guild. So uh, this the Testify Sorcery is relatively new. Like I said, I just now discovered it th- uh, today. I think it's might have come out. Uh, in the past week or so, or even Ooh, just today, nice I mean, and it's, fresh. Like, it's brand spanky new. Oh, still got the shiny on it. It's, yeah, it's still got the shiny on it for sure. Um, and so, but like I said, like the you know they they're, they're platinum seller on their solo adventure to hell and back, and so the the you know the lineage is there for sure. Like this is this is coming from from folks with great talent. Uh, I mm-hmm. highly recommend that. Uh, that's it's nineteen ninety five. Um, for this adventure to Helen High uh, to Helen back if you want to check that out as a solo adventure right now it's uh, on sale for 25% off as part of the new year new game sale on DMs Guild Ooh. Uh, it'll only cost you $746 um, that's not bad at all I will include uh, links to both of them in the show notes but I, I mean I the, the the solo adventure aspect of D&D is awesome because it's like sometimes I was like I can't I want to just I want to play, but there's no one here. Like, so I'll just, like, mm-hmm. how, how can I do this on my own? <laughs> so definitely check it out. Uh, if you have any more questions, again, like all those social media links and, and places we told you to, to contact us, contact us. Like, that's, that's what they're there for. Or just pop in and say hi. Or just If you don't hi. have anything else to say, like if you don't have any D&D questions or have anything you want to say specifically regarding it, just wave. Or say hi. We're friendly. We're nice. Mm-hmm. You don't have to pass the charisma check to talk to us. It's okay. Oh, no, I would. I often roll ones. I, I, as the <laughs> god of side quest storytelling, I often roll ones on my charisma checks. That's why my con saves are usually really low. <laughs> let's let's get back to talking about uh, someone who isn't very nice. Cyric, uh, the mad god. Oh, I love it. 
Welcome back to the second half of the show. Let's get mm-hmm. back to our Syric lore. We've just talked about uh, the Church of Syric, the, the murder church of Syric. And they just murder us and tricks us. They just, they just look, man, we're just going to, we, pro- we vow to murder. We vow to murder. Take your vow of murder. Uh, the murder church of Syric, uh, the, his little rascal worshipers. Mm-hmm. Uh, what mm-hmm. else, what else do you have for us, Mary? So now that you guys have a basic idea of kind of a loose idea of what's going to be what you're going to find out more about, I'm going to dive into the thick of it. Like stage has been set, pretense is laid. So this is Sirik's story. The mortal Sirik was born the illegitimate bastard of a failed and destitute bard and a low ranking officer that denied his existence completely. Um, his mother had to resort to doing whatever she had to in order to keep her son alive. Um, she even at points uh, res- resorted to prostitution. For a while, she was able to manage this um, and got by until she was murdered. Her killer, a low-ranking guard that she had happened to have had a child by. I was father. I was gonna say, like, was it her? Was it Syric? Did her? Was she murdered? Did by the her infant own baby? baby kill her? He like came out of the womb with a knife and stabbed ah! it. No. Congratulations, <laughs> congratulations, Miss Syric. It's a boy. Stab. He's got a knife. Um, that baby's got a knife. Um. So when she died, the um father. I'm using quotations here, guys. Um took this bastard infant and sold him into slavery. This was compensation, you see, for Sirik having had the audacity to exist. How dare you? Right. And with that, the infant is shipped off to Zembia, um, where he's purchased by a man named Ostalfo and his wife. So this is a, a merchant couple that had needed an heir. So they bought one. Um, and that way they would have somebody to pass on their family winemaking business too, when the time was right. So Sirik was raised in the lap of luxury. He didn't want for anything, everything he wanted, he was given until he was about 10. This is when Sirik learned the truth of his birth and he ran away. He's promptly returned to the family's estate by a local guardsman. Figuring out he couldn't get away from the situation that way, he began to loudly announce to anybody that would listen that this was not his home and that his true home was in Zentilki. Word of this rapidly spread among the town's elite. You know how folks gossip. And over the next two years, his parents became ostracized. They became outcasts, losing their place in the town's social hierarchy hierarchy, and their family business as well. He grew to distrust them. That blossomed into contempt and eventually erupted in full-blown hatred. This hate that he had for his parents was so deep and consuming. How that deep age, was it? At the age of 12, he murdered them while they slept. The but worst sh- punchline to a joke ever. <laughs> I broke him. I'm dead. I'm dead. <laughs> he did it. 
Oh, I okay. broke him. We're fine. That's We're my good. win. <laughs> We're good. Let's go. Let's I love going. it. So after this, he, you know, kills him in their sleep and bails out of town. He heads north to his true home, Vizento Keep. He had genuinely believed that their deaths would bring him peace and that he would then at that point be in charge of his own life. He wasn't going to have to, you know, do what they said or take over the business. And he was going to be the one in charge because from birth, he hadn't had a say. I mean, you know, never mind that he's a child. Right. Whatever. Preteens. Um, it's not how it went for him. Surprisingly, um, within a 10 day, he found himself at the border of the Dale lands, running fear, running fever and nearly starving to death. Dying boy happened to be found by some Zintil slavers and taken to the very place that he had set out for. Unfortunately for him, he's taken there once again as a slave. Although he did eventually escape from slavery, lived on the streets for a while until he joined a local thieves guild. So as an adventurer, because he became one, time passes, you know, and in 1350 DR, year of the Morning Star, Sirik was out seeking the Ring of Winter and he finds himself trapped in the cave of a powerful tribe of frost giants. So even though he tried, attempted to escape a few times, he's unsuccessful and he is stuck there until a group of adventurers attacks. Um, Huzzah! They, woohoo! They were also seeking the same ring he was out to get. Sirik and one other person from that adventuring party made it out alive. It's a young adventurer by the name of Kelimvor Lionsbane. Now, this pair makes their way to Arabelle, um, where they meet up with a gentleman called Adon. He's a cleric of Sunni, who's the goddess of beauty and passion. This trio took work um, in Arabelle, uh, uncovering a local traitor for the, and that's traitor, <laughs> T-R-A-I-T-O-R, not traitor, for the local city watch. I realize my accent does that sometimes, and I'm sorry. <laughs> In the year 1385 DR, Year of Shadows, Sirik makes offerings to Tamora's or Timora's avatar when she appears in Arabelle, where he's at and, you know, hanging out uh, about 35 years later. So he's in his 40s. Um, he had had doubts about the gods having actually shown up in the mortal realms, so he went to see this avatar and see for himself that it was true um sometime later kelimvor adon and Sirik meet caitlin moonsong um she asks this young woman asks them for their help in freeing the now mortal goddess mistra who had been currently imprisoned by the mortal avatar of bane in castle kilgrave shortly after this they are joined by an adventurer um, that Sirik bonds with immediately, whom we know to be Midnight. So this group is successful. And in their mission, they rescue Mistra, take her to the celestial stairway. Um, and it's here that she's confronted by the god Helm, 
who has not lost his divinity. He is still a god, not a mortal. She insists that she be the one to go deliver a message to Ao. She's wanting to tell him that Bane and Mirkel had stolen the tablets of fate. Um, Helm denies her this request. Says no. Nah. No dice. Nah, I don't think I'm gonna, I don't think I'm gonna let you do that. She's angry. Um, these two gods battle one another. It is violent. It is brutal. And it's brief. Mistra now lays dead at the hands of a fellow god, Helm. Witnessing this ferocious fight excites Sirik in a new way, and he begins to feel a new type of bloodlust, one that is more powerful than any that he had ever felt before that point. Interesting. Watching gods kill each other, I guess. <laughs> that's how he that's gets his rocks off, I guess. Whatever, dude. I'm <laughs> not judging. I'm super judging. Um, super judging. Super judging. Yikes. So following this, the group travels, uh, they trek east, um, seeking Elminster in Shadowdale after passing through Tilverton. So they travel through the, they make their way through the Spider Haunt Woods, where they run into another band of adventurers. Also, Spider Haunt? Are you kidding me? I do not want to go in there. I already know what's in those woods. It's not going to be fun. Yeah, that's like calling something like just like it's like, it's like calling something the murder church. You kind of know what you're church. getting into. I absolutely thought you were going to say Death Mountain and make a Legend of Zelda reference because that's the next place my brain went. Wonder what happens there. Huh. <laughs> Looks like death. On their way through this woods, uh, they run into another band of adventurers who they kind of take up with, uh, one of which Sirik takes a liking to. Um but the friendship that he developed with Brian did not last very long. Um, and it wasn't anything he had done this time. Uh, they are set upon by giant spiders. And Brian is brutally killed, like, right in front of him. Um, and though he didn't, like, talk on it or say anything, it has a lasting effect on Sirik. Watching a guy get torn apart by spiders will probably do that to you. Yeah, it's something you don't you probably don't forget. They continue on after the spider incident. Um, and party arrives in Shadowdale um, on the eve of a Zentil invasion. It's here that Sirik is found by his old mentor, Merrick. Now, Merrick asks Sirik to join him. He tells him, let's defect. Let's go to the Zents. Um, we both know that we were born for that life. We were made for theft and murder. Sirik rejects this proposal as he is quite sweet on one of the folks he's traveling with. And, you know, Merrick says, you know, he, he sorry, Sirik um, refuses to turn and run. Um, he decides he's going to stay. He's going to fight for honor beside these friends, beside these people that he's with. He's, he's doing the right thing. Merrick abandons him. He forsakes their friendship, walks away. And this infuriates Sirik just that he had turned went to walk away so Sirik stabs him in the back and kills him he justifies this um, by telling people that his former mentor was a spy for the Zend. so he done with that he and his friends then join the dalesmen um, they prepare to defend shadowdale against the Zents marching in from the north it's 
this moment um, where Sirik shows exceptional bravery, um, he even went as far as to convince a group of young Dalesmen who had abandoned their post to help the town's refugees escape. Kind of in a, look, I, I'm not saying go back. I'm not saying go back and die. But if y'all are going to leave, can you take these people with you and protect them? <laughs> like, I know y'all running. Just take these folks with you. <laughs> so it's during this battle. Sirik leads an ambush. He manages to shoot both um, a Zent commander and Zul Shimbril, um, who is a Baynite priest. He gets both of them with bow and arrow. Um, at the end of this battle, he's celebrated as the town's hero. Like, he came in. They saved the day. Um but he had very little time to celebrate. Uh, see, Adon and Midnight are accused of killing Elminster in a magical explosion in the Twisted Tower during this fight. So while he's down there leading these ambush, his friends have gone off to do this other thing, and they are accused of having killed him. So they're brought before Lord Morngrim Amcanthra, and they're very quickly tried. Very quickly sentenced to death. Sounds like a legitimate justice system. Go it on. It is. Lord says, oh, you've done it. You'll die. Um, I rate about this. Sirik is able to, though barely, contain his rage. He restrains himself and doesn't make an open attempt on Morngrim's life right there in the middle of court. Probably a solid decision. <laughs> I, mean, I like how that's that's known as restraint. For, for him not killing a guy yeah or for even yeah like just like like you know what normally i would just kill you but mm-hmm. i'm trying to be a new person i'm trying to be a good guy and you guys are pissing me off so instead Sirik waits until night to go free his companions from their imprisonment and you know impending demise so this is when his true self begins to take over. He begins to give in to those impulses, giving himself those little allowances. Um, he's filled with bloodlust and complete indifference as he silently slaughters like many guardsmen, like a lot of guardsmen, leaving a trail of bodies in his wake as he is rescuing Midnight and Adon. So under the cover of night, this trio sets out down the Ashaba River to Tantros, which is where one of the Tablets of Fate had been rumored to be. Like that was, that's what they're after now. Um, it's during this trip, he becomes darker and darker, allowing that part of his nature to take over. Um, he tries to convince Midnight that there's no need for her to hold on to hope that there's going to be some kind of reunion between her and Kelimvor. It was never going to happen anyway, and she needs to just let it go at this point. Um, he's also begins tormenting Adon, though I couldn't find the specifics of it because I do not have the novel but I am going to go be buying all of the novels now, apparently, because I need to read them all. Um, Adon had been basically catatonic since the rescue. At that point, he's just kind of along for the ride after the things that he has seen. His poor priest got dragged into the middle of this. (laughs) That's where he ends up. So they come to the Black Feather Bridge, which is where they find Kelimvor, along with some of the Dalesmen, waiting for them. 
he and the uh, Dalesman had been charged with apprehending Midnight, Aidan, and Sirik as well. Um, panicking, he turns over the skiff that they're using and takes his chances in the river, just flips it over, fails. He's going to turn tail and run this the Dalesman rescued him shortly thereafter, though, kind of recovered him and uh, managed. He finds a way to talk himself into being taken prisoner instead of just killed on sight. Because they absolutely could have, right where he stands, for the crimes that he had committed against the Dalesman, whom he had been fighting alongside earlier that evening. Like he is switching sides like a light switch. And a toddler on a chair, just on and off, on and off. So, again, he's not in this position for very long as a prisoner. As the uh, Dalesman and Company encountered a group called the Company of Scorpions. These are Zent soldiers that happen to be a little bit better prepared for a fight than the Dalesman. Sirik, ever the charmer that he is... <laughs> manages to twist and wriggle his way out of death once again by being able to shift the conversation in his favor and earn himself within uh or he's got himself a position now within that company he secured this by killing the final dalesman himself killed the last one on his own it make, they, makes sense you know i'm, I'm yeah. one of you see look stab. i'll kill a guy I killed, I killed my a lot own of mom. guys tonight. According to one lore master, I maybe killed my own mom. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh gosh, now I've got a target on me. Perfect. So he travels east uh, through the Eastern Dale Lands, which is in northern central or north central Faerun. Um, spends his time traveling with the company of scorpions, learning their history, learning their hierarchy, and rises through the ranks and eventually takes over the company. Like they're his. Not long after that, Sirik and his company are allowed an audience um, with Bane, uh, with Avatar of Bane in Scardale. And I almost wrote Scottsdale, like Arizona, like three or four times when I was typing this, and it just kept giving me a giggle. Like, that's not what it is. <laughs> We're not in Arizona. Sirik's not in Arizona talking to Bane. That's not how that went. Funnily enough... The body that Zay, uh, that Bane is inhabiting um, currently at that point in time is of Fzul uh, Shimbril. So he had taken over the body of the uh, one of the gentlemen that Sirik had dealt with prior. Dealt this with. is uh, yep. I I just love it. Just love walking in and oh, that's okay. Well, I shot him earlier. Um, <laughs> so Sirik stands before Bane and he tells him everything everything he can about his former former traveling companions their mission to find the tablets of fate except he he leaves out midnight's name that last little bit of hope he had for it you know holds on to that and protects her a little bit bane listens to all of this um he gives Sirik a task. Um, him and the assassin Durok are sent to find and kill Kelimvor and to detain Midnight, but they're unsuccessful in this mission. So Bane then assigns Sirik and company, uh, I'm sorry, Sirik and the company of Scorpions to as his, he, he makes them his personal guard. 
um, during a ritual. Um, it's a Merkelite ritual that while this is happening, like, hey, I'm going to do this stuff and I'm going to get some power. You guys keep a lookout um, during this. Ball's assassins all across Faerun are being killed and gifts and divinity are being bestowed upon Bane. Made more powerful by this ritual, Bane takes on a new avatar. And I'm not going to lie when I say this sounds so badass when I first read it, like the description. He takes on the form of an obsidian colossus. That sound, that does sound very cool. Okay. I was like, that's just, that sounds pretty cool. Um, he takes this new ride of his uh, for a test drive by marching on Tantris. He crosses the Dragon Reach uh, with a fleet of Zent ships. In battle, Bane is met by the avatar of another god. This is a god that is equally as powerful. He and Torm battle each other brutally and intensely. And at the end of it, both of these mortal avatars are destroyed. Nobody is victorious. And I tell you this because, you see, Sirik is ever the opportunist. You know, Always, if nothing yeah. else, he's a rough, he's a real resourceful guy. He's He'll a survivor. Find a way. He's, he's like a, a survivor. Cockroach. It's true. He's like a cockroach. No, you're right. <laughs> I'm not gonna argue that. Um, he sees this as a moment where, once again, he can take this opportunity to raise his station. So he he seizes it. He turns his ship away from these gods that are locked in battle and slips away, which happens to put him in a position to avoid the destructive magic um, that Midnight and Elminster, who had recently returned, um, they cast, you know, a bunch of magic on Bane's army. Sirik avoids this by running. He sails west then, chasing, stalking Midnight, who had now also reunited with Kelimvor and Adon. So she is now traveling. Midnight, Elminster was with them. Adon and Kelimvor. For the following 10 days, he hunts them. Um, he pursues them. And they are also trying to recover the Tablet of Fate that they had gotten from Tantris. Um, it's during this time, while he's trying to hunt them down, Sirik and company um, go in and absolutely devastate and lay waste to a halfling settlement called Black Oaks. This is where Sirik acquires the weapon that he grew to love, that was his favorite weapon, Godsbane. Like one, it's, I, I, you know, I, my heart hurts that a halfling settlement was, was decimated mm -hmm. because they're halflings. They just like shiny things and being Same. little rascals. Right. Uh, at the same time though, what the hell is a halfling settlement doing with a weapon known as Godsbane? It was, you know what? It probably just like, you know, shiny jewels in in the pommel i uh, hear you i hear you i hear what you're asking and it is definitely something i'm gonna look into more like, like how how is it did like you guys get that is it like the the one ring that you know it's been in the shire this entire like this web this like put this weapon of potential destruction that could put like, it somewhere where nobody would yeah maybe maybe so Sirix gained this sword at this point. Sirix the God Slayer. His company of scorpions abandon their ties to literally everything. They denounce their lives. 
their homes, their nations, their families, former employers, friends, everything and everybody they knew before no longer exists to them, no longer matters. They dedicate their lives to finding the tablets of fate for Cyric um, and establish themselves in Cormier in a place called Haunted Halls. Concurrently, while they're out doing that, there's a uh, large rash of murders I mentioned last week um, <laughs> happening across the heartlands. Uh, these murders all seem, it's very likely that they're all linked to the Avatar of Lal, the uh, Lord of Murder. And it is said to be quite brutal and gory stuff. Cyric and his scorpions grow restless. You know, he can't sit in one place too long or not have something to obsess about or so, some, someone to murder someone to murder you know folks gotta die um so they they go on tracking midnight and her friends until they finally seek shelter at high horn so it's at this place at high horn um midnight's party goes to leave with a cormerian escort some of the soldiers are with them Sirik takes this opportunity and he sneaks up to their camp, trying to catch them by surprise, but it doesn't work. Um, he's caught and he's confronted by Calumvor. This confrontation is witnessed by Sirik's former companions, so Adon and uh, Midnight and Elminster. He is witnessed by the Cormerian soldiers and his company of scorpions. So Midnight tries to get in the middle and kind of try to mediate. She kind of, you know, guys just, we can work this out kind of a attitude. But once again, these, you know, attempts at assistance, they're going to fall on deaf ears. And whatever hope she had remaining that Cyric would rejoin them is completely crushed. A violent fight ensues. At the end of it, Kelimvor has Cyric at the end of his blade and is ready to end him. It's at this point that Cyric plays on Midnight's sympathies and escapes from Kelimvor. He uses that to manipulate her and finds a way to get away. On his way out, um, he slits the throat of one of their traveling companions, a halfling that they called Sneakabout, that he had traveled with previously as well, like he had known this person, um, who also happened to be the previous wielder of Godsbane. After he slits this guy's throat, disappears fleeing into the night so a halfling known as sneak about yep well i have it i have a new rabbit hole to go down oh yeah post recording I... oh yeah so midnight is absolutely horrified by this devastated she sets out to confront Cyric, chase him down to confront him maybe shake him by the shoulders ask him wtf man um she doesn't make it that far uh, she is kidnapped by Ball in his newest avatar. He tells her that she is the only one that has the power to overpower Helm and recover the second tablet from the realm of the dead. Kelimvor, Cyric, and Adon set aside their bitter rivalry at this point in time to go save Midnight. So together they ride to the uh, Borskir Bridge and meet him in battle they're able to wear him down but the coup de gras is landed by Cyric, and as he drives his blade through ball's chest everyone and everything on this bridge is engulfed in this massive explosion of intense white energy 
Sirik awakens a little while later um, to hear his former party discussing what they should do with him. The trio decides to leave him to his fate, whatever that may be, and continue on to Dragonspear Castle. And they were kind enough to leave his weapons and stuff with him, so he did not lose his precious sword. It will become the precious. He pursues them once again into the ruined castle, and his intention is to kill Kelimvor. Um, He follows them down into the basement where he goes to fire a shot, aiming at Kel, trying to take him out. He takes Aiden down instead. He kills Adon. Mistra uses her magic at this point to cause Sirik to flee, sends him westward towards Daggerford. Once that wears off, he immediately goes back to trailing him because <laughs> he's not going to be deterred. Of like, course, man, of course. Of course not. He hunts them down in the city of Waterdeep. Um, this is in um, Marpanoff the 10th month of the year during the 10th month of the year so like fall ish oh yeah like our october our october exactly so he infiltrates the city sewer system and then shadows merkel's avatar to the entrance of the blackstaff tower which is where one of these tablets is then deposited by merkel so it is not in the realm of the dead it is now here in Waterdeep. he climbs the tower at the top is where he finds elminster Kelimvor, Midnight, and the resurrected Adon on the roof. They have in their possession both of the Tablets of Fate. It is here that Sirik kills Kelimvor, leaves Midnight mortally wounded, and barely clinging to life. All while, Miracle's army of the dead descend on the city of Waterdeep. Sirik takes these two tablets um, to the le- celestial stairway, which is at the top of Mount Waterdeep. It's where he presents himself to Lord Ao, pleads his case, and is granted godhood with stipulations. He is only allowed to use his divinity to serve Lord Ao and his faithful throughout the realms. And he's going to forever have to contend with midnight the restored incarnation of Mistra, the goddess of magic. And he is to never feel satisfaction or joy again. And that is where part two will pick up. And I just, knowing the type of person and the type of God now that that Sirik is, mm-hmm. I'm sure he's going to try to find a way around those stipulations. What? You don't like, think you know, that he becomes a god and just does his divine duty and he is good to his followers and he uh, follows the rules? No, Are yeah, you you're, sure? you're probably right. Yeah, you pr- he probably does that. No, yeah, of course not. we don't not. need a part I, two. Of course not. Oh, this guy. Yeah, this, yeah, you're, you're, this... Mm. This guy. Mm-hmm. I told yeah. you the number of times I said it exasperatingly. <laughs> well, we will be back soon with part two of Cyric. Yes. Uh, in the meantime, thank you so much for allowing the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast to be a part of your life, if even for this short amount of time. And we hope yes. that we'll see you back again soon. And uh, if you are new to the show, uh, check out the back catalog. Uh, check out oh, patreon.com slash D&D Lorecast and check us out mm-hmm. on all the social medias all of the media.
<laughs> links to all that plus what we talked about in the middle of the show are in the show notes and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that about wraps us up my name is sergio and i am mary fare thee well dear listener and until we meet again may all your 20s be natural Thanks for listening to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with a friend, following us on Twitter at DNDLorecast, or jumping on the Robots Radio Discord to chat more with us about Dungeons & Dragons. We'll talk to you next time. You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net.